welcome back to Talk L&D. I'm episode 12. I can't believe we made 12 episodes. And this will be the final episode of our series one. So we've come to the end of 2020. Can you believe it? We made it. Because of this, we thought we would do an episode doing a bit of a review of learning and development and leadership in 2020 and looking ahead into 2021 and in what themes we might see. So I hope you enjoy this episode. If you do like this episode or any of our episodes in this series, please give us a review and share us on social media. It helps other people find us. And I just want to say thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. We've had a lot of fun creating it and I hope you've enjoyed listening to it. And we look forward to giving you more episodes next year in 2021. So enjoy the episode and have a happy Christmas. Hello everybody, welcome back to Talk LND and we are at episode 12. So um, with the end of 2020, um, this will be the last episode for this series. Um, we have Alex back with us. Alex, how are you doing? I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, yeah. morning. Yeah, and um, you're actually currently in the lovely Lake District, aren't you? Yes. Jealous, yes. quite jealous. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So today, with it being the end, nearing the end of 2020, we made it. <laughs> we made it somehow. We thought we'd do a kind of a reflection of 2020 and looking forward into 2021 of what we think some of the key things might be in learning development and leadership next year. Um, so I know during our episodes, we've looked at the growth mindset, we've looked at resilience, change, mental health, um, all important things, I think, during this year of the first pandemic in a century. Um, Alex, what do you think the key things you've seen come out of this year in terms of leadership and learning and development? Mm. Oh, that's a good question. There's lots. The, um, I mean, the, the, well, the fact that I think that we're doing this right now, I think what we're doing here is is a kind of um, sort of the the most interesting thing for me in many ways and um you know we talk about resilience and growth mindset and how a year ago i think it was just before christmas before 2019 when i was um going down to see some people at the university of east london for a one-hour meeting and i was on the train both ways you know standing up going the way down um horrendous journey absolutely packed probably five six hours of travel all in for that one hour meeting and I look back on that now and I think oh it's madness absolute (laughs) madness what was I thinking madness what was I thinking (laughs) what were we thinking that that was how we were sort of living and and working and um and now here we are I'm in Lake District you're in Leeds and we're having this conversation almost like we're in the same room you know, and this this has become now totally acceptable, a work an acceptable way of working and doing business, and and that's been a fantastic thing for um, for, for 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 time, for productivity, and uh, for the environment. You know, the associated environmental impact. So um, so this new way of working, which has emerged, uh, which is you know video conferencing which it's been been around for a while but for some reason was never quite the norm it was always like i think video conferencing was always the poor man's meeting yeah you know, yeah rather than the rich man's phone call 
<laughs> but it's always kind of like an absolute desperate measure. If there's nothing else we can do, okay, we'll we'll do yeah, a, a do good. a video meeting, and people just weren't yeah. weren't that key. You know, places I've worked, it's like, oh, why don't we, you know, multi-sited place? Why don't we do video calls? Mm, no, we'll just yeah, the expense right. of shipping everybody to wherever we were. It's um, funny that that, but that's right. So, so that perception um, that people had was that it was second best and mm -hmm. that it would always be better to, yeah. to meet in the real world you know and doubtless that'll still be there but i think we'll be much more selective about where we have those where and when we do that and we go to all that time and effort and expense of getting ourselves around the place physically um but so so that's been so 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 that's been a really dynamic change in the world mm. of work and not sure that the world of learning and development has quite caught up with this and so so a few musings and reflections in terms of where we are on the 21st of december 2020 and huge variability in how this is done in terms of although we're doing a lot of work this way um you still get lots of people who come on calls and keep their camera off you know mm. and some people switch the camera on some people keep people keep their camera off it's like what's the right what's the etiquette there how do we navigate that for thorny little path particularly if you're running that meeting or you're running it as an onboarding or a training session or whatever so there are a few kind of little norms that i think still kind of need to mm. be worked out in terms of what's what's the etiquette when yeah. when people are on calls and and then um the other the other thing which is actually where we just first started chatting just before we did the podcast was um energy management so we're um squeezing in we can be so productive working this way uh in terms of jumping from meeting to meeting or um you know training session to meeting to training session whatever but you know we can squeeze an awful lot more into the day because we don't need to travel anywhere you know it's it's um, we can be really you can really kind of shoehorn an awful lot of work into the day mm. but um i've spoken to a lot of people uh, this month and the about we talk about going on holiday and christmas and winding down and that sort of thing and the um the significant thing that people are saying is that they are more tired this year than they've ever been before. Wow. Mm. Yeah. That I, would, wish, yeah. That would, I mean, if you think about it, it would make sense, wouldn't it? You've all of a sudden, we've, one, we've had a pandemic, which has tipped all our lives upside down. You know, we've had so much constant change in terms of our, how we live our lives. You know, told us a year ago, you'd always be queuing for a supermarket, wearing a face mask, having to carry hand gel with you, you can't travel, you can't have friends around to your house. You'd be like, what? And now so many things we take for granted. So you've got that psychologically, whether you've coped it on well or not, that's, that's still gonna have had an impact. But then also that adjustment at work that, you know, Alex, I remember you saying you had to turn everything around in three days from face-to-face -to, -face to online. And then, yeah, the, like you say, the, you can be very, productive but I think also the other thing that's come up and I've heard talked about a lot is now the blurred lines between work and home because you're always at home that people sometimes feel like they're always at work um because they don't you know before if you went to the office you would leave the office and you come home and you know we still have our phones and emails and things but you have that boundary of 
this is my home and this is my work and now everything's kind of merged into one mm. and I think one thing we sort of discussed before we came on the podcast was I think going into 2021 I think this thing of well-being um it's going to become much more important in the workplace and supporting supporting people and how they look after their well-being amongst all of this change but also I think like you said that energy management of you don't want people being burnt out by zoom and just mm. constantly working at home it's like that leisure time is still important and looking after yourselves is is really important um so i think that's something that definitely i can see next year um if it's not already i think some businesses i know where i work we've really focused on well-being and mental health the back end of this year as a result of the pandemic being aware of <clears throat> the consequences of that but i think um and i know there's other organizations that have done that but i think that's definitely something that in 2021 will become more prominent what are your thoughts on it alex mm. i think um i think it's a difficult one i think i think it's a difficult one um i think that it depends i think i, I, th I think it's quite situational this and i think it probably depends on a number of different factors so i think there's the role of the business mm. so that is you know in terms of the approach to well-being and uh again i don't want to sound cynical about this <laughs> oh it's coming uh, well there can be an element of you know we're going to push 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 and get every squeeze every possible ounce of productivity out of people and when it comes to well-being, well, that's important. So let's give, let's offer up a webinar. <laughs> and, you know, and still, you know, the kind of the culture and the expectation is to push, push, push. And, you know, um, and that, that, pu that push can be an explicit thing. Um, so, you know, shoehorning. Um, huge amounts of expectation and deadlines into people's lives and which is good you know up to a point it's good it's good yeah. that's 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 capitalism and productivity <laughs> and 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 that's a good thing of course it is because it keeps the machinery of, of industry turning but then there's a, that sort of rather more sinister um, implied expectations of well you know it's 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 friday afternoon but this request or this requirement has come up. Um, I leave it to you. I leave it to you where, you know, obviously it's incredibly important. And it needs to be done pretty fast. I leave it to you when that's going to get done by and when you're mm. going to do that. Where do you want to wait until next week with that? Oh, and... the kind of unspoken, the unspoken. Yeah, mm. yeah it's like, mm, well, I wouldn't, I, I hate, you know, I hate to, I hate to sort of give this to you, but, you know, it's Friday afternoon. I'll leave it with you. <laughs> <laughs> the unspoken Im implicit mm. expectation that you're going to ruin your weekend uh, to 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 um, deal with a client or a um, an opportunity or a problem. I mean, you would stuff. get that anyway, wouldn't you? You'd get that regardless if we were working from home or if you're in the office. I mean, oh yes, definitely. that's right. That's right. That's right. So I think I think that's I think it's a wider. Um, I think there's it's, it's, it's a wider cultural um, consideration and um, so so there's the business 
so, so, so there's the business and uh, it's not about giving people webinars, it's about taking a genuine interest in um, what people are putting into work, um, you know, checking in on them, making sure that they are, um, you know, that, that they're working in a way that's sustainable and that they're not just going to um, have, a, you know, a, a, a kind of um, a complete breakdown and um, <laughs> no. in, in, in a year's time. Uh, and it, you know, and and you can you can you can push people extremely hard, um, and generally you can get a, a year out of them before they leave or you know get signed off. Or whatever. It's almost it like oh, it's like a robot. It's like right here you go. Let's see how much. Oh, the the oh the robot's failing. Well, we'll get rid of it. Get someone else in. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, there's lots of organisations that work on that, and and people go and work for them for two years to get like a, a prestigious line on your CV. Um, I won't name any of those organisations, obviously, but uh, but it's sort of an, uh, um, it's sort of how it is, and and then you you go and do two two years with that organisation, and then you you're quite well set up. You know, you get thrashed, <clears throat> but then you are quite well set up to go and do other things, and you, it opens up your options. Mm. Yeah, um, so so it, it it can be okay, but um, but. <sighs> whether whether that's um well we, we all make our choices don't we that's the mm. thing but then so that's the organization that's one one side of this issue the other the other side is the individual themselves um mm. and there's a very interesting phenomenon um which i've come across in a couple of different guises uh, the insecure overachiever oh yeah and i think it's probably you know it's kind of combination of innate personality and that bit connected know. to imposter syndrome do you think yes probably is yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. there's probably there probably are connections there but people who have a kind of um yeah yeah very definitely imposter syndrome yeah absolutely yes but people who set very high um standards for themselves um and are never comfortable with where they are and what they're doing and always have that um deeply rooted sense of um anxiety insecurity mm. perhaps about you know um y you know about about how they're perceived by their boss and and then you know you work in organizations which grade you in a very hierarchical way so you know if you're not doing very well you know you kind of you're, if your days are numbered you get a four need to try harder get a three doing okay pretty well sort of pretty well much where you need yeah. to be two um and a few people always over over overachieving doing fantastically well you get a one or something like that you yeah know. yeah um, and then sometimes these these things are done so you're graded against your peer group rather than by any particularly objective standard. So that creates this ferociously competitive. That sounds quite brutal. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, so so yeah, people get graded by quartiles or thirds. You know, depending on where you sit. Mm. And so there's a kind of perfect storm that um, happens when you have the insecure overachiever working in that sort of structured system they really want that number one they want that one they'll do pretty much anything to get there and um they will quite literally ruin their own lives in order to meet those expectations you know so again the friday afternoon call this opportunity this problem this client um i leave it up to you and the insecure overachiever will happily cancel all of their plans and go and 
get into that thing and mm. plow through the weekend and that'll happen over and over and over again and because they always do it they always say yes i'll take that on they're always the person who ends up getting those jobs mm. and it's it's um and so and so yeah i think i think it's the energy management issue the mm. well which relates to occupational burnout yeah i i think we all have a role to play in this i think it's mm. about the organization yeah. working in a way that's responsible and sustainable taking interest in people as well as rather than just the task taking an interest in people as well and i think it's down to us as individuals as well to know our limits mm. and to know what we need to lead a full flourishing life and that is never just working all the time well yes <laughs> interesting actually because as well as that what you do when you're constantly doing you're a person that constantly takes a task no matter what yeah. their expectation have you ever seen that th there's some really funny memes around it's like um but i'm gonna relate to them so you get the person that is average performer or sometimes a bit slack and then they do one good thing everyone's like oh my goodness have you seen what they've done because they don't expect it <laughs> and then you get the person <laughs> that's right that is always on time shows up works really really hard and you know does all these extra tasks and the one time they don't do that extra task everyone's like Ooh. why haven't they done that yeah um, and it's a thing of you actually set the bar so high for yourself and exceed expectations that you then can't come down from that. And I'm not saying, you know, people should work at below their capacity, but it is something to be aware of that actually it's got to be sustainable. And like you said, you've got to be a well-rounded person because there's, I think if anything you've got from this year, it's got to be, there's more to life than work. You know, life is short and it's precious and, if you've just spent your whole life just working a, a lot of people make themselves very unhappy a lot of people <laughs> are and and they do you know it is we we all we're, we're, we're all volunteers here you know and i think i, th I think a lot of people do are, are unhappy in their jobs mm. and the amount of work they do and but we all have a role to play in this yes mm. it's partly the business it's partly your boss it's partly the organization but it's also, I reckon, equally, it is down to you as well to set sensible boundaries around things. You know, that the contract is a two-way process. The, the psychological contract between work and the individual is a two-way agreement, really. Um, so, you know... Do you know what, Alex? I have to yeah. completely agree. And I, I'm, I'm going to share a bit of my own personal experience on this. And this is why lockdown, in a way, was a bit of a gift for me to stop. So I pre-lockdown I was I look back now I was pretty much headed for a burnout like I was pretty knackered I'd spent four years in different jobs traveling all over the country and just working 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 um and then I was like oh I remember actually in January February being like I can't keep going at this pace I just want a moment to breathe and then lockdown happened and I got furloughed which I always found very strange concept that you get paid for not working um anyway i sat i sort of sat down and i was like right really reflect i took time to really reflect on my life and it's like right how do i because i seem to be in a pattern i seem to be in pattern every year i get to a point of burnout like that's yeah. what it seems to be a theme for my career every year i would get to a point where i felt burnt out normally towards the end of the year and i, I remember at one one place i worked this was in my 20s i was really bad at taking holiday and my boss used to have to come to me and be like louisa you've got all this holiday you need to take holiday and I was like, oh, I just don't think about it. And she was like, well, you need to, because I don't want you all this holiday at the end of the year. And then what I realized was I have suffered really badly with imposter syndrome. Um, 
And that thing of not being good enough and whatever I do is not good enough. It's just nothing is good enough. Um, been, yeah, it's really driven this quite brutal voice inside my head. Um, I've been really quite mean. No one else needs to be mean to me because to be honest, I've been so mean to myself. But what I realized during lockdown was I can't blame anybody else for my burnout because it's been me that has been driving that. It's been me never saying no. It's been me going, yeah, I'll do that. I'll go there. I'll do this and do this. And then me sort of looking at work I'm doing and berating myself being like, well, this is just awful. You know, and it never being good enough. Mm. And I was like, oh my, you know, just this epiphany during the first lockdown. I was like, this has got to stop. I've so, got to change so, my, how, I'm, how I'm existing at work because yeah. this isn't sustainable. And actually it's making me miserable at work um, so, so work isn't good enough so I need to work harder and I need to give it more and, yeah, well yeah. more about it's also work isn't good enough but I'm not good enough whatever I do I see yeah. is not good enough and so I did quite a bit of work on myself and really sort of that thing of raising awareness of it is like actually I don't want to keep living like this I've got to change my pattern and when I went back to work sort of after lockdown I just changed my approach to work and I am so much happier actually mm. and my well-being I don't feel like I can spot the keys and be like no actually the world's not going to end actually <laughs> has anyone said to you this is um this is rubbish um and actually I have been happy like working away particularly because what I used to do is when I was working away I would generally leave really early in the morning be out the house by like five six o'clock in the morning and then you go to wherever you are go to site and then I would get back to the hotel room and continue working till 11 o'clock at night and then you do that all week and then you're knackered mm. and now I'm like yes, right funny, no funnily enough <laughs> funnily and now enough. I'm like actually this is so now and actually when I had to start working away again I had this fear come up I was like oh because I was like I don't oh I don't know how I feel about working away but then I was like right change mindset what we're going to do is we're going to start finding a moment of joy in each day working away and we're going to start seeing it as an adventure. And actually, that means there's some things that you you have to set those boundaries. Because to be fair, I'm very, where I am, I'm very self-sufficient and kind of, um, you know, Amanda kind of like, right, here's your thing, just go, go do it. So there isn't actually anyone knocking on my door. And that's a crazy thing. I've always been quite um, independent in my work. I've never really been micromanaged in the last few years. So that's why I was like, this is me. So I changed my mindset working away. I was like, right, I have to maintain my fitness regime no matter what you get up and you do some exercise every morning and that does does mean sometimes I still get up early like five o'clock but I quite like that and then I will take a moment even if it's just half an hour during the day to explore the city I'm in so I'll go for a walk and like and then it's like it becomes an adventure because it's like I'm in this place but it's not just work even if it's just that half an hour to explore so I've changed my mindset towards it and, and I, I honestly think I'm performing better because I'm mm. happier and I've got more headspace. Mm -hmm. And yeah. at the end of the year recently, you know, I got some really great feedback on how well I've been doing. So I was like, but I had to take ownership of that because my boss could have, and funnily enough, pre-lockdown, my boss said to me, she went, you're really bad at taking compliments, Louisa. And I was like, yeah, probably am. Um, but I had to take ownership of that. No, so yeah, I mean, you need a space at work where it was like, they don't expect your soul, but at the same time, no matter what anyone had said to me, I, I wasn't going to be able to shift that until I shifted my mindset on it and did that work. And I kind of feel like work now is, is different for me because I've not got this constant voice in my head going. I mean, it's, I'm, not, I'm not perfect. It still rears its head at times. 
but I've not got this constant driver of, oh, it's, all, mm. it's, it's not good enough, you're not good enough. You know, it, I kind of feel like I've, I've kind of really silenced that demon a lot this year through different things. But I, I definitely think, and I, and I know I'm not alone. So many people, I, I particularly they sort of say imposter syndrome does affect women a bit more. Mm. But I think I know I'm not alone in having that experience of not being good enough. And I think if you're in a culture that is quite cutthroat and you mm. have that imposter syndrome, it's yeah. just too, it's a nightmare because yeah. it will just feed that imposter syndrome. Yeah. 100%. yeah it doesn't seem that that's a sustainable way to live well no. good for you uh, here's a question how you know when you said so before lockdown one that you you felt that you were kind of moving towards being burned out how did you know what were the signs um this kind of, i so i'm i like getting up early in the morning like i love getting up early in the morning i'm like yeah um i'm that weird happy morning person um, and I always know a sign for me when I'm beginning to struggle is when I'm struggling to get out of bed on a morning. And it's like, it's not just, it's not like a, it's kind of this like real sort of like just an exhaustion. And then if I'm honest, I was, I, uh, I was getting on a train and so I was on trains late at night on my own or in the morning and I would cry. I'd just cry. And I just feel really just like, and it was just, I don't even know what I was crying about. I would just sit there and just, I just felt really kind of, I think, do you know what, it's a sense of disconnection. I felt really alone in the world, even though I wasn't alone, just a real sense of being alone. And this sense as well of like having to dig really deep every day. So I couldn't just show up and it was like, I'm gonna have to dig really deep to do to do this. And just not really that, that joy for life, which, you know, I think I am quite a joyful, fun person. I just wasn't feeling that. And, and the other thing as well, which was really key, was on a weekend, I just wouldn't want to do anything. Like I'd get home on a Friday night. It's like, I just would want to sleep. I just wouldn't want to see anybody. I just didn't have the energy or the capacity. I just was like, I can't deal with anybody else. I just need to be at home on my own. I mean, if I look back, I was like, we're not in a great place. It's quite dark actually if yeah. I'm honest to start of the year. But it was, it was what it was. And I think taking that moment to stop and reflect. I do also think as well, the other thing into this is January, February, being on the road is hard because it's so, you just constantly, you're getting up, leaving the house in the dark and getting home in the dark. And the trains, like you say, pre COVID, yeah, like yeah. rammed for delays, cancellations, and actually traveling on a train now. I mean, it's great. <laughs> it's like, they're never cancelled. They're always on time. They're only half full. Although, I mean, I don't know if they're making any money, which concerns me. But um, yeah, I think yeah, they're they're like just this sense of disconnection. Yeah, feeling constantly tired, but not like a I've not slept. It's like a soul tired. Mm. Do you know? And um, just not feeling joy, and just not wanting to do the things that you normally enjoy doing if it's kind of you're going through the motions really so if you kind of look into the year ahead what have you learned by being in that dark place and how do you make sure you don't go there again oh there's a question alex um what have i learned so i've learned that i think i set i set myself my expectations really high and, you know, and I think I've always done that. Um, and, 
you know, it comes from, you know, as all, we all bring baggage throughout our life with us. Um, yeah, and I think it's that we are onions. You think you've mastered one bit, you peel one one onion layer, and then you're like, oh, I'm all right now. No, let's deal with another one. Um, but I think also just that it's it's okay to stop, and it's okay it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to say, do you know what? Actually, I'm not doing great. Because I think the other thing as well with imposter syndrome is I would often when I'm like that, I withdraw in. And I don't want to bother anybody else with and a lot of my friends didn't actually know like this was what I was struggling with I just didn't talk to anybody about it I just was like just got it. I think maybe one friend really knew the extent because she knew that I was crying on trains and um, and then I started to be a bit more open about it and and I think particularly working away I think that's the other bit working away is great and I love it I don't think I could I could I think I would struggle if I was just always been in an office but Working away is is great, but it can get really lonely when you're on the road all the time. And I think that's something that I did differently this time when I went back to working away. I reached out to a couple of friends. I was like, it's it can be really lonely on the road. And they just made the effort to just check in with me. Mm. So I think it's about taking responsibility for yourself and actually understanding like, what, what do you need to do for yourself? So I think for me, it's non-negotiable. I need to exercise like five, six times a week. It's just non-negotiable. Like if that starts to falter, then I start to falter for so many different reasons. Also eating healthy, not falling into the trap of eating, excuse my language, crap, because that makes me feel worse. You know, like basic pillars of well-being that you can quite easily forget about when yeah. you're busy. I've yeah. come to understand that those pillars are so important. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, non-negotiable. Pillars. Yeah. And yeah. so, and then the other bit is finding a moment of joy, whatever that thing is. So for me, that's if I'm working away, that's going to spend a bit of time just exploring the city so that I can come back and go, oh, actually, while I was working away and you know, I was doing a lot of work, I actually got to see a bit of this. Like, it's been really lovely because I was in, in Birmingham and normally I'm not a huge fan of Birmingham. Sorry, anyone from Birmingham. But I actually really enjoyed Birmingham this time that I went to visit because I actually had a wander around and they've got these really nice fountains and they've got this timer for the Commonwealth Games and just these little things. And like some of the buildings there, the architecture was like, I sound like such a geek now, don't I? I was like, look at this, this is great. And I went to Oxford and um, my dad actually went to Union Oxford many moons ago. And I actually um, went and found his college because he went to the one with the bridge. I think it's Hartford, Hartford College. And I took a picture and sent it to him. You know, and that was half an hour at the, my day, but that actually brought a lot of joy and actually felt like while I've worked, I've actually got to see, and Oxford's beautiful. And I've, I've been there maybe two, three times before and never taken the time to actually see it. And then I, I went for a run down the Thames in the morning and saw the rowers out and these little things they probably sound quite simple, but actually they can really, they've really changed how I feel about work. And it's almost like you're giving a lot to work. It's like making sure you're getting something back from that as well. It can't all be give, give, give. You've got to get, some, and I know, you know, we all get paid, but actually it's got to be more than that. It's got to be like you're, you're growing, you're learning, you're um, being nourished, you know, in what, in what you're doing. So, and I think, um, yeah, just, and just actually realizing actually my work is okay <laughs> unless someone tells me unless someone tells me it's it's not good 
just settling and realizing actually my work is okay and not to get mm. so worked up and stressed and procrastinate over it quite so much mm. um and actually i think i'm more productive in a weird yeah. way yeah. I, I i wonder whether our is our, our a question for our listeners here about you know you, what you described there is, is how you've uh designed these pillars these um which you need to have in place for you to kind of work in a way that's sustainable and uh, where you're happier and work is better so you perform better everybody mm -hmm. wins when you have these pillars in place and if you start to um ignore or neglect those pillars everything kind of starts to get a bit mm. shaky um, it's like your foundations isn't it yeah. it's like you know you look at a house the foundations are shaky your house is not you know you're gonna have problems so well, uh, foundations are everything aren't they yes it's a good metaphor that so these are mm. yeah the, these pillars are also our foundations yeah so <laughs> so so here's the thing so 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 i in a way i was good with those pillars when i was traveling because you know um, generally have the evening if I was you know staying in hotel the evening would be mine so I could go for a, go for a jog or you know just do do those things that you need mm. to kind of just sort of get yourself back on an even keel but I think what's my 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 question to, to everybody is listening is in 2021 whether you're going back to the world of the real world and you're traveling a lot or you are living through teams or zoom mm. or whatever and if you are finding that a bit of a grind what are those non-negotiable pillars that you need to put into place yeah. so that you start to enjoy life and get something back from work and work in a way that good so work's going okay but you're also okay you know the things mm. which kind of bring you a bit of happiness every day what are your pillars that you need to to not you need to put in place and then not negotiate on so that everything stays strong rather than things getting a bit shaky yeah i'm into that Alex, it's all about your your pillars. pillars. I think it's an analogy for life, actually, because even aside from work, if there's certain things that you know are important to you and you're not making time for them, well, I, and I think the thing is, it's this year our pillars have probably changed a little bit. Mm. Uh, yeah. So um, they probably had to, you know, just because the nature of work's changed, and even little things like you know one one thing that i talk to people a lot about is decompression and reflection mm. and the people used to do that when they were commuting you know mm. on the train or in the car or whatever and they're not doing that now and uh they're, they're generally just doing more work instead and mm. so it's that relentless focus on the task i think is um a problem yeah do you want one thing one of the things i do when i'm working from home actually I'll set myself a time and like, right, I'm working to this time. And then what I will do is I will take myself out for a walk at that time I finish. I will go for a walk, even just for 15 minutes. And then I come back in. And it's that for me is a reset of like, mm. I'm going out and I've left work. <laughs> now I'm coming back in and I don't do any work. But that yeah. is something that helped me put that boundary in between work and home. Because obviously when you're working from home, you don't leave you have that physical process um mm. just a little tip i don't know if it might help anybody mm. um but i think yeah i think it's quite, quite an interesting conversation actually what that's we've just ended up talking about because we talked about well-being at work and actually there is a lot of stuff about the culture and the leadership that you work with because and that's the other thing actually if you are a leader or a manager 
what kind of example are you setting to your teams? Because I think some of the bad habits I learned early in my career was I had managers that just would work, work, work. Like, what, so I was like, well, that's what I've got to do to, to be a good team member is, is just work, work, work all the time. And I knew it was funny, actually, because one of my, she's a really close friend of mine, we worked together in my first jobs out of uni. And we both reflected a couple of years ago how that job taught us really bad habits because it was just like, you just work, you just work. Mm. You know, at that time we worked with vulnerable people, it was like, take on as many cases as you can. You know, we don't, we don't sort of cap the number of, of, of cases and you just work. And so, you know, you're all like early 20s and you're in the, just entering the working world. And that was, that was something that I've carried really throughout my career. I think it's one of the challenges in the modern world is is how we learn to be efficient. Mm. And yeah. there aren't, you know, there are lots of technologies now that help with that, but it, every technology seems to have its downside as far as I can see, you mm. know. But um, it's, yeah, I think it's, it, it's, it's thinking about how we carefully use our time to have the biggest impact that we possibly can but no more than that and mm. there's a number of different things so it's i think it's i think it's working smart in terms yeah. of how we use technology and all that sort of stuff and cutting down on the travel and all that sort of stuff i think the delegation side of it you know and, and there's a leadership point about that about whether we are delegating in intelli in an intelligent way again mm. delegating to build capabilities so we can delegate more in the future and all this sort of stuff which is great and worth its own podcast probably and um <laughs> you know and and then um and then we're probably sort of moving moving in the right direction but then but then yeah then there's the the probably the for many of us the biggest challenge of all which is the inner game mm. And that's that nagging voice of uh, if you work, if you keep on working harder and keep on pushing, everything will be okay. Yeah, no, then it's not. Do you actually what came to me as you were saying that? Do you remember we talked about agile working earlier yeah, this year? Yeah, very good. Yeah. I kind of feel like agile way of working is quite a good tool to minimize because with that, I think one of the things that came to me was I think for people that have this high achiever thing with agile it's like you just put something out it doesn't have to be perfect yeah it's that kind of just you know you just do it rather than procrastinating to the point of perfection and that kind of model um what was it it was like sprint uh reflect go that's again right. that's right exactly yes um there's something in that i think that yeah to help with this if that makes sense definitely just yeah <clears throat> yeah yeah i think definitely i certainly when you don't have when you know there isn't a right answer and you know that what you put out there whatever you do won't be quite right because mm. your client will have a view and your boss will have a view and <laughs> and so you're gonna have so 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 in those sorts of situations trying trying to get it perfect first time is a complete impossibility because everyone's going to mm. want to put forward their their point of view and so you're gonna have to change it anyway so yeah, so so put out something that is workable but not perfect because it's good if it's going to get pulled apart and you know mm. people are going to sort of want to change it with their own perspective. Mm. 
where where I think where I think it's 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 harder is where, where there is a right answer, but that right answer is hard to find. And you see that in I think people who work in finance and that sort of thing, who um, have to kind of get the numbers right. Yeah. Uh, sort of thing. It's, then it's then it's a it's a it's a tougher. Mm. Um, it, 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 I don't quite see how it works in the same way in those sorts of instances. No numbers numbers don't lie. That's what they always say, right. don't they? Numbers yeah. are numbers. Um, Agile finance that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, it would uh, be interesting. I, I wouldn't be the person to teach that course, I have to say. But <laughs> um, there we are. Someone, someone in the in the finance financial training community might want to have a look at that. Yeah, agile, agile for finance. Yeah, um, if but, that's possible, don't know. I think also, like we're thinking about the agile um, method as well. In this sort of, I think what feels like an ever-changing world and how it impacts on our work. I think that kind of, I mean, obviously finance we've talked isn't so relevant, but where things are constantly changing, you know, that, that, that reflection, that learning, we kind of all need to be there at the moment because what, you know, like with Zoom meetings, for example, so actually you're saying people don't put their cameras on. So mm. take that time to reflect, why aren't people putting their cameras on? What can we do to get people to put their cameras on? Yeah. What's the blocker? And I think yeah. in a world that we're living in right now, rather than pointing fingers and being you know that was a mistake it needs to be come to that to this reflection place of actually what have we learned from this what can we do differently because we're all I think a lot of people have just been learning if we've been going this year and from that can come better practices and innovation you know innovation comes from finding solutions to problems and from adversity so I think that's one thing I think if and organizations can learn for themselves how can they create a learning culture that can benefit mm. everybody because a learning culture also naturally is a little less brutal because in brutal environments often with mistakes you're pointing fingers because and it's a blame game which is um you know brings its own problem to us if you have a learning culture yes you will pick up mistakes not to blame but to reflect you know it comes back to the idea of black black box thinking the aviation industry they have a black box because they don't want those mistakes to happen again versus you know the healthcare yeah. where they don't want to talk about mistakes because they wants to feel like they're being well. blamed um but that thing of actually let's reflect let's look at this let's reflect that's so powerful it's so powerful experience for for everybody that actually we're not pointing the finger we just want to get better and actually that's really if you look at it that's probably most organizations intention they want to keep in order to grow you've got to keep getting better right and the way to do that actually is is you know go do something reflect what do we need to adjust let's go again yeah yeah i think it's it's a big step be a big step change i think where there's a little hierarchy mm big step change the um yeah the it's be the organization that where you can make a mistake you can have a you can have a bad day and know that you might still get a one rather than a two <laughs> <laughs> you know maybe we shouldn't number people <laughs> mm, maybe we shouldn't maybe there's something maybe maybe that needs looking at yeah, yeah. um mm. but i mean what do you think of hierarchy? How thinking, thinking, just thinking though about how work has changed this year. Yeah. How are hierarchies like? You know, you get organisations which have quite flat, and actually, some more modern 
forward-thinking organizations are, are trying to flatten out their hierarchies mm. but for very hierarchical organizations how does that hierarchy exist if you don't necessarily have an office environment anymore mm. you've got to look at that one in context i think you know i mean hierarchy bureaucracy i suppose mm. has done incredibly well you know and it has it has its supporters that's for sure um and in many ways you could say that it's kind of got us to where we are today you know um but it was a system that worked very well when the education levels of the workforce were generally lower and that you know people's skills and um you know um uh, capabilities weren't what they are today and uh, that's um you know henry ford and the production line and all that sort of mm, stuff you know yeah. which is sort of really where where the sort of the modern bureau well the sort of the not modern not modern modern bureaucratic that's say that's 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 a contradiction but um but our sort of you know current kind of ideas around hierarchy kind of emerged really from um being able to equip low skilled workers with um carefully thought through and um replicable processes mm. which basically anybody could do um which would then be and they would then those those processes would be designed and developed by managers who would be higher up in the you know the hierarchy yeah. and <clears throat> but i'm not sure the world is like that anymore i mean it might be in certain industries mm. um but but fewer that's for sure like manufacturing, you probably yeah, still possibly. Gonna be like that. That's right, possibly. Yeah. And so so I wouldn't rule it out altogether. But I think if we are if you're an organization that hires well and you you focus on hiring highly skilled people, you hire a lot of, you know, um college or university educated folks into fairly high skilled jobs mm. to then um try and run that organization like an old-fashioned production line seems doesn't doesn't <laughs> seem to be um <clears throat> it, well that, that doesn't seem sensible to me it doesn't mm. seem necessary um standard of education has increased um beyond belief from mm. 100 years ago yeah you know when when you know hierarchy really did that that traditional bureaucratic concept really had its place in the modern world um, if you've got in your teams highly skilled people who, who, are, who are very good at what they do and, you know, um, simply having a, that one way directive flow of communication, directing down to very highly skilled people, giving them simple processes to follow and all that sort of stuff seems to be a huge waste of potential. Mm. Yeah, interesting. I think also one of the things that come out of this pandemic is I think we're seeing things going much more online in terms of learning um that makes it even more accessible to people and i think also the other thing that i found interesting is um all of a sudden everyone had to work from home now i've worked for organizations in the past where it's like oh, no we don't like people working from home because we don't trust them and i was like right so you don't yeah. trust. and then all of a sudden everyone yeah. starts working from home and oh look we're all adults we're all still doing work <laughs> and then um, yeah we're all still doing work and more yeah and that realization that actually yeah. everyone is very capable of, of, of getting on yeah. and as you say not for yeah. all industries because not all industries can work from home you know hospitality has been severely hit events 
aviation, things like that. But for the jobs where you can work from home, the industries where you can, it's, it, yeah, it's an interesting one, I think. Um, the the we we're on we're on the we're 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 on the edge of a um of something quite radical I think and twenty twenty has sped it up, yeah. um but I you know I and I I think you can you can see enough examples of organisations which are, are much flatter now and have um these you know f f more more of a focus on in independent autonomous teams working yeah. in this network, um teams of highly skilled highly trained people working um largely under their own direction mm -hmm. you know even on problems of their own choosing um you know you look at the big tech companies and that generally seems to be how they're structured now and it's not to say that accountability isn't there it definitely is mm. crikey you know if you're not if, you, if you're not not a performer then undoubtedly it's still going to be as ruthless as anywhere so on the last podcast we had lovely mark Gilroy from TMSCI and I asked him about um, leadership and what leader inspired him and he, he said you know there's so I, he's like there's no particular leader I think we're all leaders you know there's so many different leaders and I it was really I thought it was quite a powerful answer actually because actually it's so true you know a leader is somebody that can influence and, and essentially like inspire somebody you know you have to have followers and I, I think of this year and how we've seen leadership in so many different ways in, in your community or at work and I can't, what you're describing it's kind of like we all need to be our own leaders really in this new kind of way of work what are your thoughts well I don't know yes I don't know I don't yeah we're all leaders and I think that what we all have is the potential to flourish and to um be you know uh it's a self-actualize maybe self-actualize i think i think we all have the potential to do that and i think work is a necessary component of mm. of flourishing and you know being the best possible version of yourself you know and i think that um i think that's a big question for um employers to look at so business owners need to mm. think about that so is is your workplace a place where people can be the best possible version of themselves you know are people flourishing or are they diminishing under mm. the pun of work you know so that's that's fine and then the individual their their part in this um, and we all have our own you know we have to be responsible we are responsible for ourselves for ourselves here to a degree and um are we making choices and are we are we working in a way which is it allowing us to flourish and mm. um whether that's as a leader or just doing something that you're you really love to do and you're very good at um yeah. i wouldn't want to put wouldn't want to put everybody under the pressure of thinking that we all need to be leaders i'm not sure that that's necessarily right but i think um we we all have the potential to flourish and to to be happy in our work that's for sure i like that the potential to flourish that's nice I like that. Mm, there we are. That's there not bad for Monday morning, is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that should be a theme for 2021. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to recap on yeah, what we've yeah, spoken about because we've talked about quite a lot of different things. So we've obviously talked about 2020 and kind of the impact that's had on um, work, particularly this kind of merging of home and work life as we all sort of work from home a lot more with the good old Zoom technology. And actually, what's the etiquette for Zoom? How do we, you know, 
Should there be cameras? Should there not? Um, and then alongside that, we've sort of looked at actually well-being in, in the workplace now. And actually, we've talked about these pillars. So what are your pillars that will help look after your well-being? And actually, there is a responsibility from your employer, but actually there's also that inner responsibility of taking care of yourself and then what's right. Um, and then we've kind of moved on to reflect on agile again, sprint, reflect, learning culture, really important in times of change. How can we learn? What can we um what can we learn how can we grow from this and um sort of moving on to looking at sort of organizational culture and structure and hierarchies you know how that's looking in this this new world um anything else you wanted to add to that i think that's a little summary mm. so i've just got one final question for you alex to end it it's probably a bit of a beefy one but mm. thinking of everything that's happened what do you think are the key things a leader now needs to have going into 2021? I think... Uh, <laughs> that nice, nice one, thanks. For so I just want 30 seconds on that, do you? <laughs> no. I know, the, I throw you the um, best questions, don't I, Alex? <laughs> I think that what I've seen this year is businesses which are flourishing uh, are bold. So there's there's a you know courageous and bold in, mm. in rather than let's just hunker down. Let's let's try and let's just try and navigate through this. Let's be curious, experimental, and bold. Mm. That's one thing. So that's in terms of thinking about you know the business model and you know deliberately seeking out opportunities. And sometimes there is real gold there. You know there can be like really transformational, fantastic. Um, and wonderful things to discover by engaging in adversity. You know, it's a bit like, you know, we were talking about the Wim Hof method and, yeah. you know, having having a cold shower in the morning. And it's <laughs> like, actually, suddenly you discover, actually, I really quite like those cold showers. <laughs> Who knew? Sometimes <laughs> it's by, by, but through engaging with a bit of adversity, actually, you discover fantastic new things. Mm, I like so, that. Courage and boldness beats uh oh well let's just let's just batten down the hatches and hope for it or hope it all goes <laughs> away uh but with that i think um that needs to be in order to take people with you i think there needs to be a great amount of contact being present all the stuff of carl rogers mm. um empathy acceptance yeah, being present um positive regard yeah. uh regular touch points with people you know being um and i think that is uh and and, and that begins with you as well you know and it's sort of like knowing understanding knowing where you are and understanding mm. yourself and you're having your respecting your own pillars yes yes um, but then i think it's it's about um making sure that there are regular touch points with people to not necessarily just focus on the task, but also to kind of look at how how how, how people are adjusting and adapting and mm. going with this unprecedented amount of change. Yes, so so a combination of courage, boldness, and compassion. Oh, I like that courage, bold, and compassion. That's some uh, that's some uh, 
yeah i think that's oh, there's probably loads of other things there's probably loads of other things but anyway that'll do but if I, if yeah do. i think that's really you did a brilliant good job alex <laughs> and, and a nice yeah. way to end um our final podcast of 2020 yeah um, so thank you very much to all our listeners um we hope you've enjoyed this series um and we will be back next year with series two with more chat about learning development leadership and more guests um and yeah if you have anything in particular you'd like us to talk about please let us know um and over to alex thank you so much alex it's been oh, a joy, thank you. No, a yeah, joy. So, well this is one of those little bits of gold isn't it so you know i remember we were uh talking about that we were in lockdown 1.0 and we were <laughs> saying oh you know I, we were saying it was podcast podcasts are interesting aren't they so perhaps we should give that a go and um, and this has been good, hasn't it? It's sort of yeah. um, this has been one of 2020's better discoveries. <laughs> In fact, we were quite bold, weren't we? We just we just sat there and said, "Shall we do it?" And I think yeah, yeah. a couple of the next couple of days later, we just did it. Yeah, just that's good. <laughs> I mean, you probably see Crikey. I need to go back and listen to the first one and see see whether we got any better at it. I think you have. <laughs> <I'm not sure. laughs> you're, um, you're, you're much better than than you know but but anyway um yeah I'll, I'll go back and have a listen to the first one and just see how we've got got on last few months yeah it's well it's been a pleasure alex i do love our chats and um yeah i look forward to more in 2021 so all yeah. that's left to say is happy christmas and happy new year everybody have a good christmas everybody thanks very much for listening thank you